Hello, everybody, and welcome to 30 Minute Thrive, your go-to podcast for anything and everything HR, powered by MRA, the Management Association. Looking to stay on top of the ever-changing world of HR? MRA has got you covered. We'll be the first to tell you what's hot and what's not. I'm your host, Sophie Voller, and we are so glad you're here. Now it's time to thrive. All right, welcome, everybody, to this episode of 30 Minute Thrive. It is time to go over this month's talent report with Jim Morgan, MRA's Vice President of Workforce Strategies. So we'll dive into what he's been seeing this month in the world of business. So thanks for joining us again, Jim. Well, this month you focused on tomorrow's talent strategies today, meaning what worked five years ago is no longer applicable. And in fact, what worked five weeks ago might not even work today. So starting out with the recruiting and retention innovations, where's the focus here? What's going on here? Well, I think a lot of time is being spent right now on pay transparency. And we talked about this a little bit after our Comp Trends event um, a month or so ago. But it's now, you know, really getting the attention, I think, of a lot of the HR people. We're seeing states and communities start to put trade pay transparency mm-hmm. policies in place. And so now I think the HR folks, those that are, you know, ready to go, that have good job descriptions, a good mm-hmm. a pay structure, a good pay philosophy, I don't think it's going to be all that big of a deal for them. But for those who, you know, have been winging it and just said, well, we don't really have a structure. We just kind of make it up as we go. Or we don't really have a pay philosophy or our job descriptions, you know, we're kind of there, but not quite. I think are now seeing that this is a good time to get all of that in alignment to that. Mm-hmm. We do, if you come in to ask me about where am I and what's going on and what's the schedule for my job, I should be able to at least you know give you that information. And I think because employees now are coming in so much better equipped because they're looking at all kinds of data too and saying, hey, I read, yeah. I should be making this, I should be doing this, I should be getting this, which may be accurate, may not, mm-hmm. but they're trying to build their best case for saying, I deserve this. And as the HR professional, I think you have to be ready to come back with, we use these salary surveys, we collect this type Mm -hmm. of data, and this is really where your salary's at. And that's great that you found this one job Mm -hmm. in downtown Los Angeles where they're paying seven times what we're paying. But if you really look at that job, it's not really your job. It's in a different type of economic climate, in a whole different situation, in a different industry. So that doesn't apply. So I think we're really just seeing the HR people arm themselves and get themselves organized to really be able to handle those employee questions. Yeah, absolutely. And we have a podcast actually coming up with a recruiter from MRA. So that'll be interesting to see what she kind of says on pay transparency within like the recruiting recruiting world right yeah. now. Yeah. And I'm sure that she'll have some stories about, yeah, you know, I'll yeah. see an Indeed job where they say this job needs $500,000. Yep. And you're sort of like, that's not what people are really offering. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, kind of going off of that recruiting and retention and moving into talent thinking, you highlighted the fact that the role of the manager continues to evolve and where those responsible for hiring, supervising, and leading are now being asked to do more and do their job even better. So can you kind of expand on that that idea and that thought and any examples that you're seeing? Yeah, they are becoming sort of the shock absorber in this whole organizational structure. And a lot of it is falling back to them, which is probably the place that it should be because they are the mm-hmm. closest to their to their folks. But a lot of them didn't sign up for that, you know, 25 or 30 mm-hmm. years ago. And so now we're seeing um, the emphasis on performance reviews mm-hmm. and having conversations with your employees, staying in touch with them, 
the annual review is not a surprise yeah. when you, it's the one time you talk to them, but you're really communicating with them every single day, knowing not only how their work is going, but how their life is going yeah. and understanding who the people are that um, are working for you. We're seeing a lot of it in communications where there might be some disruption on the on the floor or within your mm -hmm. team or there's disagreement. It's not, a, oh, I'm going to run to HR and have them fix this. Mm -hmm. It's our expectation is you will deal with it, you know, as it happens. Right. And so we're seeing a lot more pressure on them to, you know, just kind of keep things within your team and you've got the skills to do it. So you figure out mm -hmm. what's the best way to, to deal with some of those things. Facilitating conversations across with other teams and within the people within their team, like making sure they're talking to each other. And if there's mm -hmm. a difficulty, you're in there trying to help them, you know, figure out what that is. Um, we're now seeing it in artificial intelligence. Do you know what your people are up to? Mm -hmm. Does your company have a goals and objective statement out there? Um, making sure your people are using it for good and not evil and just understanding um, what some of the, the ramifications of it might be. So they're really being called on to be the thought leaders right on the spot with their people, helping their people, helping them with performance, helping them really with everything that's yeah. affecting their ability to do their job. Um, and that includes, you know, work-life balance and all yeah. of the remote work and the flexibility. There's a lot on their plate right now. Yeah. They're also a full-time therapist for their team. And that's very true. The <laughs> mental health aspect. Yes. And really, you know, it's like your family. You, mm -hmm. you got to get in there and deal with the goods and the bads. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's a lot on their plates. There is. <laughs> and more coming. Well, let's talk about HR creativity now. So you mentioned how employers are continuing to try different ways to engage um, employees in the DEI space specifically. So do you have any plans or initiatives that you're seeing here around DEI initiatives? You know, I think people are always just looking for a way to take what they're doing and make it a little bit better. And yeah. or what are the opportunities for us to do that? Mm -hmm. And we're seeing a lot of it Food's a big deal. You know, I mean, it's used for rewards. It's used for bringing people together. You know, the breaking bread at the table sort of yeah. you know, allows people to have conversations. And so we're seeing, um, you know, companies now that they may use those as diversity, equity, and inclusions opportunities. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're bringing in food from a certain culture. Yeah. And maybe they have people who work for them that are in that culture. So rather than just, oh, here's food from this right. this this culture, giving people the opportunity to say, here's the history behind this. Here's what it mm -hmm. means. Here's what food means in my culture and some of the different things that go with it and using it as almost an educational opportunity yeah. to say, this is great. We're all getting to eat, mm -hmm. um, but let's learn a little bit more about what this means and, and how important it is to, to different groups. We're seeing the HR people now get more involved in the hiring process and even down to what are the questions we're asking in interviews and what are we looking for just to see is there any unconscious bias in there? Do we have people yeah. who maybe have been asking the same question for a long time and the meaning of that question maybe has changed? And so mm -hmm. really taking kind of a top to bottom look at what's happening as we're bringing people in and as we're beginning to, um, to onboard them. Mm -hmm. We've seen the move with our companies that, you know, the holiday schedule or the days off schedule yeah. isn't quite as strict as it was where it's Thanksgiving, Christmas, mm -hmm. Easter, traditional things that maybe did apply to a wide variety of the workplace at one point, but now giving the people the flexibility to say that may not be the holiday 
that meets their their ethnic or cultural needs. And so you have floating mm-hmm. holidays to use for the things that are part of you and your culture and your family history. Um, so just understanding that that might be, you know, obviously not the same for everybody. Mm-hmm. And the last one we're seeing again is people just taking a look at their handbooks, which maybe have been around for decades, but things that were written 25, 30, 35 years ago have a different meaning than they, you know, then than they do in 2023 and 2024. So scanning it with an eye towards unconscious bias, DEI, mm-hmm. do these things still apply? Are they appropriate? And again, no you know, malintent can, you know, intended, but nobody's looked at it. Mm -hmm. And so before that becomes an issue, getting out in front of some of those things. Mm -hmm. So just being ever vigilant to make sure that everything we're doing in the DEI space is is up to par and and up to date. Yeah, I love all those ideas. And I think those are great action steps, too, that people can take away with right after this podcast, even. Um, I think a big question is, what C-suite leaders are thinking right now and where their thoughts and concerns really lie heading into this next year, 2024. You know, we've talked about this several times too with the, with the C-suite. If there's one thing that they hate, it's yeah. uncertainty. And if there's one thing that's out there right now, it's uncertainty. Mm-hmm. So there's a variety of things that they're, you know, kind of got their eye on um, as we head into 2024. Um, employee engagement is one. You know, all of the surveys will say, well, you know, employee satisfaction is one thing. That means, okay, you know, I'm showing up, I'm doing my job. But engagement means I'm I'm into it. I am a part of this and I own it. And, you know, for most companies, that number might be in the 20, 25, 30%, which sounds extremely low. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you start thinking about the people who really, you know, are coming to work every day, fired up, ready to go, ready to take on the new challenge... Um, you do, you know, maybe not have a vast majority. It might be they're doing a good job. There's no yeah. doubt about that. But are they really looking for that next opportunity for the organization? So I think that that's a, a big one. Finding and attracting talent continues to be one, and then you know, hanging on to them, Deviring, developing their hiring managers to be great leaders. And this goes back to what we just talked about a couple of minutes ago. Who are those people that are willing to take on all of those tasks? Mm-hmm do it willingly and on their own and are willing to take the next step because those are the people that we're going to build our organization around. So what's our obligation as the employer to make sure that Mm -hmm. those people are getting all of the the benefits um, and the training that they need? Absolutely. Benefits are a big deal. We talked about this, I think, last month. We're at that generational tipping point where the millennials and the Zs are going to outnumber the boomers and the Xers. And there are certain benefits that mean something to everybody, but you know, if I look at the 25-year-olds, if I look at your generation coming into the workplace, you've got a lot more student loan debt in mm-hmm. your generation than we did in mine. So that's a bigger deal for you. The life-work balance is a bigger deal. The flexibility is a bigger deal than when I started. Mm-hmm. So are there benefits along that that matter? We joke about pet insurance, but there's a lot more of you that have animals than kids. Um, so, you know, is that a bigger deal? And and some of them are kind of silly, but they mean things to people. And so I think as we try to figure out how do we make our benefits have value to people, companies are taking a hard look at, you know, what matters to our incoming people that we make sure that we're keeping them satisfied, you know, with the things that they're, what they're getting. And then I think, you know, trying to build that culture of family within their organization, within their team, within their company, 
what are the things that we can do that our current employees are welcoming to the new people that are coming in? We're providing opportunities, whether, again, that's around food or whatever it might be, for people to get to know each other, not only within the workplace, but what some of their interests might be outside. You know, so you and I might be in different departments, but if we both love dogs, love volleyball, went to the same college, it gives us additional things to talk about and we get to know each other a little bit better. Mm -hmm. And that becomes, you know, part of the workplace and part of making me want to be there. And so mm -hmm. how do we build some of that family yeah. and that trust within our organization? Yeah, just going off of that culture piece. It's funny because I just had a friend the other day. She's full, she's fully remote, and now her company um, wants to build on their culture. So now they're requiring all those employees to be in the office four days a week. And, you know, she's not too happy about it, but it's to build their culture, and they weren't happy with how their culture was at that current point. So yeah. And that's a you know a hundred percent legitimate issue for a company to yeah. say, you know whether it was the pandemic, whether it was going remote, whatever it might be, but some companies that's a big part of you know yeah. who they are. And then I think the challenge for the employer becomes how do we make this a place where she actually wants to come to work exactly. And whether we're doing fun things, we're getting to know each other. We've got a coffee bar, we're mm -hmm. having milkshakes on Friday. I don't know what it is. But, you know, how do you create that as the place that it's like, I want to be mm -hmm. here because it's better for me. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's just another challenge for employers. Mm -hmm. Well, from the field, it looks like you've pulled some stats from an AFLAC survey on workforce retention. So can you kind of summarize what's seen here on the survey? Yeah. Um, a couple of them were what we just talked about, that balancing act for employers to find the benefits that have the greatest value. Um, the satisfaction and understanding of those benefits and what does each generation want. So I think you're going to see a lot of play in that. It might not be mm -hmm. dramatic. We're still going to have retirement savings. We're still going to have days off and vacation. We're still going to have health care. But where do we work around the edges on some of those? And even within those around health care, especially the digital space, how mm -hmm. much of it is on my phone, how much of it is an app, how much of it is telemedicine. Yep. Those are things that, you know, that matter to people. So I think you're going to see some of that. Um, the burnout, it was interesting. The headline was, oh, the younger generations have this incredible, you know, burnout rate. And if you actually read through the data, it was high for for millennials and, and Gen Zers, but it was high for everybody. And I think, you know, one, I think that's human nature to say, Boy, I got more going on than I know what to do with. I'm burnt out. Uh, I do think we're going through a world of adjustment right now, mm -hmm. post-pandemic. We're changing the the role of the manager. We've got this whole remote thing. We've got this culture thing. There's just a lot going on right now. And I think people just feel like I got a ton on my plate yep. and I have to figure it out. So, you know, that maybe is to be um, somewhat expected. And then the digital space, not only, as I just mentioned, for healthcare, but how do we make that a good place, whether that's what's our, you know, our video conferencing experience, what's our team's experience, what's the culture of our own group? How do we not let the distance and the digital separate us from things? But yeah. to your friend's point, how do we you know, make her understand that that collaboration, the face-to-face, -face, the human matters mm -hmm. without alienating her from the job that she's like, I don't right. want to be here again today. Right. Um managing that, I think, remains and, and will be for quite a while mm -hmm. a, a big one for supervisors, hiring managers, and employers in general. Yeah, that's a good point. 
We also had Alicia Kaiser, Vice President of HR at M3 Insurance, join you for this Talent Report webinar, and she gave some insight into talent strategy, best practices, and she specifically gave a lot of great advice on career paths. So do you have any key points from her um, presentation that you want to share? Yeah, Alicia is a very talented individual. She's a lot of fun to have on and, and just yeah. very smart. You know, and she was just talking about how they, in trying to develop a learning culture in their organization, part of it was career mapping mm -hmm. that for every employee, we're sitting down and trying to figure out where do you want to be, where do you want to go, and then what's the learning and development you have to do to get there. Yeah. And not dictated by M3 and the employer, but really saying to the employee, you own this. Yeah. We will help you. We will get you there. We will provide the resources, but you need to own where you're trying to get to and know the skills that it's going to take to help mm -hmm. you do so. They've engaged their own employees. I think she said like 99 some percent of the training they do is by their own employees, that their people are interested in teaching and training the other people that come work for them. So if you're in the customer space, they've got the customer skills and how to deal with their folks and how to get there. If you're a, a representative to some of their clients, what do you need to know and how do you need to get there? And we can you know, take you through that. And putting in place now a learning management system so they can see these are all the offerings we have. Um, it's pretty clear that if you want to get from spot A to spot B, this is the training that you're going to have to go through. And that doesn't guarantee you a spot, mm -hmm. but it puts you in a position that if that spot's available, you've done what you can to position yourself to be the next choice. Mm -hmm. And so it's really, it's always in front of people. It's a day-to-day -day thing, but that continuous learning, continuous to get better is a big part of who they are and how they function. And so that's something that they just keep in front of their people at all times. Yeah. I Something I took away was sometimes the younger generations, Gen Zers are looking to the employer to say, hey, what opportunities do you have next for me? Or how are you going to help me grow now? But she kind of, I don't know, um, gave good insight into, like you said, it's, it is about the employee owning that career growth and career path and career mapping. So they have to be completely serious on it too. It's not all on the employer to say, hey, you're going to do this next year and this the following year and this this year. But it's on the employee to kind of take that first step or initiative on those projects. Yeah. And those are the kinds of conversations I think people have to have because mm -hmm. I could do a project with you and maybe you were a whiz at Excel spreadsheets. And I was really impressed with your analytical whatever and say, hey, we're going to have a finance position opening up. And you're looking at me like, that's the last thing in the world that I want to do. And so I think the more that the employee takes ownership of it and as an employer and as a manager, that speaks to me to say, mm -hmm. all right, at least she's taking the time to invest in herself versus looking at me to say, why don't you tell me what you want me to do? Yeah. That initiative, I think, is a big first step, too, and that, that resonates with me. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, this month in charts, you've included some data around population and some projections there. So what does the data exactly show? I think the big the biggest one and the first one, it was a look, it was a look at the U.S. population around race and ethnicity between 2010 and 2050. And you see, um, you know, the white, non-Hispanic go from 65% in 2010 to 46% in 2050. That's a pretty dramatic drop, um, takes it below the 50% line. 
But the bigger point that I was trying to make in that is the difference in the generations is going to become very dramatic. And if you look at what's the makeup of the people that are in our schools versus what's the makeup of the people that are in our nursing homes, those are two very different populations. And for schools, for employers, it's going to be a different distribution that's coming through. And, you know, are they prepared for that? And are they getting prepared for the large growth that we're going to see in the Hispanic population? Mm -hmm. And that might be language issues. It might be culture issues. And are you prepared to welcome those people in and to be able to retain them? So, you know, just kind of keeping an eye on the future that says we're going to have a pretty dramatic turn over the course of the next couple decades. And how are we preparing ourselves for that? So that was the, the first one. And the second one we've been talking about is, you know, especially in the upper Midwest, we are aging and we're aging, you know, relatively quickly. And we're not an attraction area for a lot of young folks. And looking at the United States, I think it was about 20, 2034, where the number of people we have over the age of 65 passes the number of people we have under the age of 18. Mm. And you might be, yeah, okay, well, you know, whatever. Well, not only do they cross, but then they continue to spread and get further apart. And so that means we're going to have a larger, older population and a smaller, younger population. So what does that mean? What does that mean for Social Security? What does that mean for health care? What does that mean for holding on to people maybe that they don't retire at 60 or 65? They maybe hold on to them to 70 or 75 and figure out what to do because there's going to be a, a numbers gap there again. Plus, there's going to be a needs gap because that just changes um, who's going to take care of all of these people mm -hmm. if you really want to you know, get down to it. And so, I don't know, we may go back to grandma and grandpa are moving in with Sophie, um, you know, for the last 15 years of their lives. So, you know, are we ready for that? So it's just, you know, so things that are on the horizon, not that far out, yeah. the population is going to change um, by ethnicity, by age. And are all of us ready to, to deal with that and are employers preparing for it so that it's not all of a sudden one day they're like, holy smokes, mm -hmm. what just happened? I hope they're preparing. <laughs> Well, as we wrap up here, Jim, can you tell us what the last talent report of 2023 is going to cover? We're going to take a look at what's coming for 2024. Um, and that's what we're going to focus on. We're going to do it both from an economic outlook um, point of view as well as an HR outlook point of view. So I think um, we'll have some really interesting discussions on that. And then next on the docket, we'll be talking about artificial intelligence in HR and then um, kind of revisiting the whole internship, how to find them, how to attract them, how to keep them, how to manage them, and how to make sure that you're setting them up to keep them on their staff going into uh, into the future. So I think we should have some interesting conversations. Yeah, got a great lineup coming. Yeah. Well, Jim, thank you so much for all that great content today and kind of recapping what you've been seeing in the world of business with an emphasis on talent this month. And to our listeners, if you liked our chat and topic today, I would encourage you to comment something you learned today or anything that you want to add on to our conversation. We definitely want to hear from you too. Don't forget to share out this episode and consider joining MRA if you aren't a member already. We have all the resources you need in the show notes below, including resources on this talent report. Otherwise, thank you for tuning in today and we will see you next week.
And that wraps up our content for this episode. Be sure to reference the show notes where you can sign up to connect for more podcast updates. Check out other MRA episodes on your favorite podcast platform. And as always, make sure to follow MRA's 30-Minute Thrive so you don't miss out. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next Wednesday to carry on the HR conversation.